Hey, welcome back to the Man Challenge Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Search. You got Michael Foster right here. Brett Williams here. How you guys doing? Well, we're going to talk about one of the things that men always talk about, love to talk about. We probably talk Women? about it too. No, 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 no. That, that's that's the second place. Truth be told, maybe when we were 16, it was girls. But as we get older, we tend to talk about something else. In fact, it is a, one of these funny things. Like the guy who's like, uh, you know, like Mr. Suave, who like is, uh, you know, great at dating in high school and maybe in college. Eventually, he woos the woman, settles down, starts a family, starts worrying about equity. And what's the next thing he's constantly thinking about? Work, right? Work. I mean, that's really... And guys, this is like one of the weirdest things, because when you're a kid, as a boy, you have no comprehension that you're going to think about work nearly as much. In fact, all you're thinking about when you're a boy is playing, you know, toys or sports or right. <clears throat> whatever, and you get older, and it's maybe the girl, but, you you know, as you get older work becomes well, dominant. And think about what you play with. You're playing with blocks and you're building something. Even <laughs> at a young true. age, you're working as play. Oh, that's true. Legos, man. That's it right there. I I played with Legos a lot. Models, same way. Models, you're mm -hmm. right. Yep, yeah. absolutely. And there's just something about work that um, a guy, we all know it, we find too much value there, or we feel unvalued because of what's not there, or we become disillusioned because what we think so highly of it, and then it can't live up to it. It just can't. It, we, we end up, uh, John Wesley, or at least in Wesleyan theology, there's this idea of uh, sin basically is either loving the wrong thing or loving the right thing in the wrong way, into some sort of disproportionate way. And that kind of is work, you know? We tend to we tend to either uh, fall in love with it and then love it in the wrong way, or we we want it to do something for us, and then it won't, so what do we do? We hate it. So, you know, what what is it about work that drives a guy? I mean, what is it about work that makes a guy... Let me ask it a different way. What is it about work that makes a guy find so much of his identity in it? Well, I, I want to say for me, whenever I was uh, 14, I got my first job. I was sacking groceries uh, at a local grocery store, and it was that paycheck, right? As soon oh, as I got yeah. that paycheck and I, w I cashed it out, right? And you cashed it. I cashed it there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I took the money, and I immediately went. And for me, I went and purchased clothes, right? I oh, bought, yeah. A pair of jeans that my mom said I couldn't have because they were too expensive, so I went and bought them with my own money. You remember the brand? What was the brand? Were they guest jeans? <laughs> no, they, were you, no. they were Jerbo's. Yes. <laughs> That's right. You guys are younger than I am. Uh, when I, I was, that would have been my first guest yeah, with the Jerbo's. <laughs> I would say at 14, man, if you owned guest jeans, you were something. Yeah. Right. so old, Bill. I know. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. The, my first paycheck, that's what I went. I went and bought the, the Jinx because that's all my check would uh, cover was the Jinx. My next check, I went and I bought, the, I bought shoes and then a shirt. And then I just kept doing that, that type of thing. All right, let's go back to the jeans. Are those the ones with embroidery on the pockets? No, Is it they those? don't have embroidery. They had like a little tag on like the the front of the jeans, like yeah. right where the zipper is. Oh, was, I remember those yeah. now. Oh, I remember. It's a that. big deal. I was in Bible college at the time, so we fi we figured those were sinful jeans. <laughs> you know, drew attention to all the wrong things. That you yeah. 
Too Very funny. true. Look, look Too at funny. how old right. you are. All right. That's right. Yeah, some of the older guys listening are like, I thought it was Jordash. Weren't Jordash jeans and jeans? <laughs> yeah. If you're old enough, if you're old enough, then it's Levi's, Levi's again. That's yeah. the cool part. You well, know, they're back. back now. Oh, Levi's yeah. are back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're back now. All right. So for bread, it's like that. What what work would give me is money to buy the stuff, the status symbols of youth. That's right. <laughs> All right. Michael. I think it comes from so many different angles, and work is so integral for everything is that if it's the the means to an end or if it's the end itself. Um, and, and a lot of the time we take our identity and we spend a lot of time at our jobs and what we do and we're trying to find a job that, that matches our gifts and our talents and it kind of helps bloom all of those things. And so a lot of the time we find that status in our jobs. And it can even be like, okay, I'm the boss at work, or at least some people listen to me, and and I can I can do stuff. And when I get home, I am not the boss. You're not not the mama. Right. <laughs> you know that is the funny thing. You know, and I grew up in a very uh, an environment was all about like you know men are in charge of the home, and my dad would kind of even say stuff like that. And then, but I knew as a kid, mom was in charge of the house. I yeah. knew I knew that uh, if we were going out to eat, it was because it was mom's idea. You know, I I remember that you know right. there's a song uh i can't it's called the man song and one of the lines is because i'm the king of the castle when she's not around when she's not around <laughs> <laughs> right. so we are not making fun of a particular worldview there of course we're just acknowledging a certain reality that a guy feels maybe more in control at work than maybe he does in other environments might be home it might be might be in per his personal life, but at work, he feels large and in charge. Yeah, I've had the question is like, how can you be so organized at work, but when you come home, it is not so? <laughs> well, it's kind of the whole thing with like uh, like working on computers. You know, you work on computers all day, but you go to my house and I might have a computer broken for a while. Or the plumber, right? He's doing yep. plumbing all the time, but you go to his house and his toilet won't flush. Yeah. You, right? know, <laughs> you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are builders, and you just described a lot of a lot of like the contractor builders who will always have some project going on in the house that might stretch for years. Right. But he's because he's doing the work elsewhere in someone else's house, gets home and yeah. doesn't want to. Well, you've heard it said that the mechanic's car is never fixed. Yeah. It doesn't bode well for people who are pastor's kids. I, I just want to. I just want the record to show if anyone's listening and wondering. As a pastor, I do read my Bible yeah. at home. Yeah. I, do, I don't know about you guys. You don't have to say anything at all. Uh, oh, they're shaking their heads. You guys can't see this. I'm shaking they're... it up. Yes, <laughs> yes, we do read our Bibles. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine some guys listening to this podcast right now going, wait a minute, what's he saying? Pastors are unpastorly at home? No, 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 no. It's the tendency for that. It is, it is. Well, and there are probably some, but you know, this is why it's, it's a perennial topic I think men need to talk about. We need to think about. Because otherwise we'll end up, you know, we'll end up going the wrong direction. You know, as men is, there's two main topics. One that we're not talking about right now that y'all know. And then the other one's work. You know, those are two of the real big, big topics. And so work is just one of those things that oftentimes we neglect, not work, but we neglect thinking, what would a Christian man, how would a Christian man approach work? And this was like uh, a front of the mind of the Apostle Paul. He writes about it twice. He he writes uh, some letters that were undoubtedly written at the same time because the the way that the letters overlap, they have distinctives, but they also have unique elements in each one. And I'm talking about the letters he wrote to the Christians living in Ephesus 
and then the ones living in Colossae. And so Ephesians and Colossians are the books in the Bible, or the letters of Paul in the Bible, Old English, the epistles. But they have overlap in material. He wrote them, no question. He wrote them at the same basic time, and and he covers some of the same territory, although Ephesians covers some things that Colossians doesn't, and vice versa. You know, there's a beautiful segment in Colossians about what's called Christology, just like awareness of Christ and the theology of who Jesus Christ is is beautiful, almost poetic. But both books cover what in the old German was the Hausstaffel, the, the, the household code. Ephesians 5 and uh, Colossians 3 towards the end covers bits and pieces about what a Christian husband and wife should be all about, how they should raise their kids, and how business owners or masters in the old language uh, should conduct themselves, and then also how workers, or in the old the Roman culture, you didn't have like laborers that paid were paid a wage so much. You had shopkeepers and that sort of deal, but you also had what you know, we would legally were property of other people. In Rome, slaves uh, in some parts of Rome, that is the Roman Empire, in some parts, the the slave population outnumbered the quote-unquote free population. And sometimes that's led some people to go, well, you know, it wasn't so bad to be a slave back then. No, it was bad then. It was never good. It was never, it's never good. And the Bible's describing a situation. It's not saying, therefore, this should be. It's just saying, as a Christian— who comes to Christ in a situation, this is how to conduct yourself in that particular situation. And so that's why, like, this is, in Colossians 3, a really good passage for us as we think about what a Christian should approach work with, because um, the the person that Paul's writing to, that he identifies as a bondservant in some translations or a slave in other translations, this is a person who is essentially in our vernacular this man or this woman, they're in the employment of another person. They have a boss. They're not in charge. And so he has some uh, some real challenging words, but also really encouraging words. And this is what Paul says. He says, um, he says uh, um, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And again, I mean, this is a part of the economic system of ancient Roman Empire. So we could read that and say, hey, uh, you got a job. You work at the company. Obey your supervisor in everything. Now, first, we got to just stop for a second and recognize everything isn't everything. Uh, it says everything, but Paul elsewhere, you, this is where like taking things out of context could be really dangerous. The whole Bible would tell us, if you study the Bible, that you should never obey humans over obeying God. And if God is set a particular way to live your life, you need to honor God and obey Him. So, if the boss tells you to do something criminal, unethical, immoral, the answer is no. That's not, it's not a virtue to obey that which is immoral. So that's important for us to say, because sometimes people read these things with such extreme literalism that they uh, almost lose their minds, and they, they start saying things that just Paul wouldn't agree with. And Paul would be the first to say, oh, no, I've disobeyed the law of the land a time or two when the law of the land would lead me to disobey God. So anyhow, so what he says is, hey, obey your earthly masters and do it. Work, work, not only when they're watching you, when their eyes on you, but to curry the, to, in order so that like they fa- favor you, to curry their favor. But instead, work really hard, even when they're not watching, with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. 
And so uh, just that last bit with sincerity heart and particularly reverence for the Lord, how does that help us to approach our work in a different kind of way? In other words, not just when the boss is watching, not when the supervisor is watching, but to really do terrific work out of a spirit of worship or reverence for God. How does that help? Well, I think about there is uh, whenever I'm I'm putting in some work or doing work with for someone or you know for for whatever it might be, I have pride in what I do, and I want to make sure that um, you know whatever effort I'm doing, I am not only doing for myself but doing it to glorify God, right? And so, and I want that to be the very best um, that I that I have to offer. It doesn't. Uh, you know, I'll be honest, it doesn't always come out that way. Uh, sometimes it seems malicious or, you know, that I'm, uh, that I'm um, power hungry or something like that. But I really do try to, whenever I'm working or I'm doing something, I, I try to put my best effort because, um, you know, a little bit of pride too. I, I want to make mm-hmm. sure that, you know, I'm doing the very best. Yeah, that's good. I think about it in the way that if you have somebody coming and working on your house, you want them to work like it's their own house instead of uh, just let's, let's slap this together. And um, I'm in the middle of a shower project um, that the shower construction was really, really not done in the proper way. It wouldn't have met code. It leaked. I had mold behind the wall. It was, it was a really bad deal. And I'm pretty sure that whoever put that in either, number one, didn't know and therefore should not have been installing showers or was just cutting corners and knew that he wouldn't have to deal with it or she wouldn't have to deal with it down the road whenever it was causing trouble. So I think about that in in the work that I do is though it may not be on my own house, um, what I'm working for is really the Lord's economy or the Lord's kingdom. And so any work that I'm doing is reflective of him. And if I'm working on something, and, and you can get real broad here, is that everything's yeah. God's. And yeah. even though it's somebody else's company that you're helping build up, if you're working for um, that company like you would be working unto the Lord, then you're going to give a whole lot more effort and be a, a, hopefully a lot better than yeah. just serving somebody. And you know, sometimes um, bosses are easy just to just to be the bad guy, and you can begrudgingly do some of the things that they they ask you to, where it makes it a lot easier to do it if you are doing it for God. You know, it's such an interesting that example of your shower is someone does bad work. And you now have to undo their bad work. They don't know you. You don't know who did it. They've, quote, unquote, gotten away with it. On the other hand, you suffer because of it. Now, it's not horrid suffering. There's suffering, true true suffering in this world, and then there's inconvenience of a shower, right? right. But it's still a type of suffering that somebody else's negligence has caused harm to your family, taken you away from your family. I mean, you've got to now fix this thing, or you've got to take away money from the family vacation fund so that you can pay someone to do this. But either way, it costs you, it costs Jennifer, it costs your kids something, because somebody didn't do it the right way the first time. And uh, there's this old, um, old line, a popular phrase of playing to an audience of one. And this reverence for the Lord is sort of like that idea and it's uh, some of my friends through the years have used that. I, I try to play to an audience of one, meaning uh, I'm not performing for those around me. I'm I'm doing what I do for God because God's watching. That's a great way to think of it. But sometimes that's too ethereal, 
you know, that's sometimes a little bit of like a, yeah, God's watching-ish, you know, but he's really gracious. So maybe it doesn't matter. And a way of framing it for somebody is we all have that person that we just dearly love. We would do anything for them. Could be spouse, could be grandma, you know, there's, everybody has a person in their life that they go, that's a person that I would do anything for them. And so that might be something that a guy could think of when he's trying to do a job that he doesn't maybe like that much, or maybe the supervisor's a jerk. And so in a way doing crummy work somehow undermines the supervisor. I mean, there's been people who do that. So that guy could say, you know what, I'm going to do this job, whether it's tedious or whether it's for someone I don't like that much. But in my mind, I'm going to pretend I'm doing this for my wife. I'm going to pretend I'm doing this for grandma or for that special person in your life, playing to an audience of one. It might, it might help people think concretely about this idea of doing really good work for God. And uh, not to make God out of those people in our life, but it might help us to think through like how to live that out, how to to do it with reverence for the Lord. And then he then Paul goes on. He says, "Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving." So it's like. Um, He's just writing away, and he, he just sort of keeps repeating himself. You're doing this for God. You're doing this for God. You're doing this for God. Just as a reminder, you're doing this for God. And lest any of us think we have tedious jobs and uh, bosses that are unreasonable, I'm pretty confident, having explored a little bit of Roman history, there were some really terrible jobs. Oh, for sure. And, you know, there were some awful bosses then. I mean, back then, they could, back then you could physically abuse your your person, your employer, if you call them that. I mean, today that would get somebody legally in hot, hot, hot water, as it should, should have then. But but Paul's not, of course, saying take abuse. What he's getting at here is, is like, keep your eye on the one. Keep your eye on the one. And there's this really, I, I love how he put that, is that work at it uh, for the Lord, not for human masters. and But there's this reminder of eternity in it, and Paul does this all the time, because other religions, um, like the Stoics, would sort of have this, like, hey, just suffer, because that's life, you know, just deal with it. And Paul never really gives any of that advice. Um, he, he says, suffer, but there is reward waiting for you. If you do this with faithfulness to Christ, if you honor God with your whole being, even if it never is great here, it it will be great there. So speaking of inheritance, you know, what is it, how can that help somebody go through the tough times to think ahead to even eternity? Well, and no matter how much you like your job or hate your job, um, or your supervisor, there's always going to be little facets and little things that are that are in there. You know, sometimes more than others, but we can always know that that um, there's there's always going to be something you just don't want to do, but you know it needs to get done, yeah. and, and it has to be done. And so, you know, even today, I, I think about Dirty Jobs, the the TV series. Oh and yeah, goes and, right. and does yeah. all those different jobs. You're like, yeah. why on earth would somebody choose to make their lifelong career in whatever yeah. he's yeah. doing? 
Um, but but I think about you. Know, hopefully, hopefully you're involved if you're listening in a job that is um, piquing your interest and, and enjoying. But I know that you've got stuff that you just don't yeah. like doing. And you know, you think about that inheritance, um, and and we live in this this dual layer. We're dual citizens. We're working as as um, as a U.S. citizen, but we're also, uh, if you're in Christ, a member of His kingdom. Yeah. And they actually are in the same space, which is which is wild to think about. And I, I love this this dual imagery is that even while you're working for somebody that's right in front of that you can see, yeah, you're working for somebody in a kingdom that you actually can't see. And it is it's one that's there and it's real and it's happening now. Yeah. Right where we are, as long as God's um, is God's um, kingdom is rule and reign is happening, um, and, and and I think that inheritance, if we think about it, is um, a, an inheritance of God's kingdom expanding. Yeah. And so, anytime you're doing that, His kingdom is expanding. People are are understanding the gospel, um, doing different things, and um, you kind of wreck it if you're you're taking those tasks that you don't like doing and you're wrecking them, or you're just not doing them yeah. at all. And it doesn't bode well for the master that you serve in this this world that you can see, nor does it do good for the master that that you can't see. Yeah. And I think that's that's yeah. where we think about the the inheritance that we have. And if you're working on your own house, you're gonna make sure you don't cut any corners. Mm-hmm. Well, we're always working on our master's house. Well, that's a I like you got a foot in two worlds. You're you're the work that you do has impact now, but it has impact for the future and you're working on your master's house. That mm-hmm. this is I'm I'm filing paper for for my God. I am filing paper for my Lord. I'm I'm working on blueprints the tedious elements of working on the blueprints are the last finishing touches of this project and I'm doing it for God's honor. Man, that's good stuff. That's Brett, good stuff. you had anything in that? Oh, I don't really have anything to add. That's, that's, that was actually really <laughs> pretty great. thorough. You know, the only thing I was thinking about as you were explaining that was, you know, uh, if you are so unhappy at your job that you find it so difficult to do it to the best of your ability and to do it with, you know, just, you know, taking pride in what you're yeah. doing, that it's probably time to find a different job because yeah. God yeah. does not want you to sit and and, yeah. and not utilize your gifts and talents Right. So if you're if you're sitting in a job right now and you are not happy and you can yeah. barely, you know, go to work each day and you don't even put forth a, a good effort when you're there, it's time to start looking for something new. You know, there might that's a good thing to bring up is that if you get to yourself yourself to an untenable situation where either your gifts are totally underutilized and uh, or the environment is so toxic. I mean, there is a time where you just kind of go, I'm, it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to do something. If I can't find myself in a position here where I can make a positive impact, but, but that's a, man, that'd be a good podcast for a different day. When to know, when to know when it's time to go. (laughs) That'd be a good one right there. I had a friend in high school that um, his dad came home every day from his job and just complained about it all day long until finally his wife's like, 
well, just go find another job. You don't have to do this one. Just go find. He he stayed in the same career. Yeah, um, he didn't change yeah. anything. It just yeah. it stopped him from complaining. <laughs> you know, I I had a a good friend of mine uh, who who uh, the first first church I the very first church I worked at Ed Ed Shepherd. Ed's a terrific guy, still a good friend. And uh, Ed Ed said um, that when uh, he was at a company before he joined the staff as a pastor, and he said I always encourage people that I had on my teams. Every year, you should go and interview someplace else. Mm-hmm. He said, and I and I was Ed. Why would you do that? He goes, <laughs> right. well, two things will happen. Number one, they're going to be on their toes. They're like going to think about their jobs differently than just punching a clock. But he goes, the other reason is they quickly will realize the grass isn't greener. That they think, oh yeah, I could just do this somewhere else for more money, and then they quickly find out, no, you can't. Right. You or maybe you can, in which case great. You do it. Great. Yeah, in which case <laughs> let's all celebrate. You'll have a cake and all yeah. this and uh and uh but it it has you know what? Actually I've I've had friends that took that advice and are very happy and contented in in their role. So there is you know, like I said, that'd be a fun podcast yeah. sometime. I think uh we maybe even bring a guest on to that one or something, but right. when to know when it's uh, time, time to go. That's a good one. I, you know, and I think about, you know, as we talk about work as working to the Lord and yeah. building the master's house and doing that sure. kind of stuff, we have a tendency to approach work two different ways. We can do it reluctantly yeah. and do as little of it as we can to, to yep. get to get out of it what we need. Yeah. Um, and then the other half is we can be overwhelmingly consumed inside of our work and to the detriment of a lot of other areas of our life. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this passage can bring us balance in that, is that we wouldn't want you to neglect some of those other pieces of your life to to further your career or go to that next job or make that next hop at the the detriment to to some of those other areas, friends, family, your own health. And a lot of people will do that in in some way when they get involved in something that they just can't let go of, whether it's the prestige or the money. And we have to know that we're can only be satisfied by Jesus. You know, it makes me think of in the Old Testament, there were years of Jubilee every 50, I believe it was, and they were supposed to just let the ground go fallow. I mean, they were supposed to just let the soil be. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oklahoma knows what it means <laughs> to misuse the soil. We had a little incident uh, almost 100 years ago because of that. But the soil needs time to replenish. And otherwise, it'll just get worn out mm-hmm. if there's not crop rotation or otherwise. And we're the same. I mean, essentially, we're we're organic in the sense of God has made us. He's made us unique, but he's made us of the stuff of this earth, which means that a human can just completely wear out and down if there isn't the proper perspective on this. If you if if work becomes your end all be all, oh brother, you're in trouble. There's there's a, one of the things I like about Paul, and we'll kind of land the plane here, but uh, one of the things I absolutely love about Paul is that he always anticipates the yeah, but. You know, he's like a normal guy on these brilliant. He's He really is one of the most brilliant thinkers of his time. Of that era, there's almost nobody like him in the volume of literature from 2,000 years ago that we have today. I mean, you know, you can put him up against many of the Roman philosophers and writers of that day, and we have a lot what Paul wrote, and it just demonstrates the breadth of his writing capacity and his knowledge. We look at it and go, man, I wish we had more, but we have a lot compared to anything else of that era. But anyhow, what Paul 
Paul has this way of like just knowing that people are going to raise their hand and go, but what about this? And it's almost, most of us could relate to this, that, you know, we've seen, we're working really hard. And if you've ever been on a team project, you, you know what's coming. You're working really hard and the guy next to you is doing what? Nothing. Nothing, Nothing <laughs> right? Exactly. In fact, my kids, I've got three kids and one by one throughout high school, they got assigned to team projects and we've told the kids that this is one of the life lessons they're going to learn, that they're going to someday be in work environments and they're going to be on a team and there's going to be some people on the team that aren't doing any of the job, just like the team project in high school. You know, it's a torturous thing to remind us of humanity, I guess. But <laughs> but it's, like I said, I think it's, you know, someone is about to raise their hand and go, Paul, what if I do all this and the guy standing next to me doesn't? Well, he uh, he he knows they're going to ask that question. So he says, Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, what a great way to put an exclamation point on the end, that, that, that this is another one of those good things to know about the context of the Bible. If you just read that verse, you just might assume any kind of wrong. But the context here Paul's talking about is, so the person who embezzles at work, God God will pay attention to that even if the person gets away with it. The person who doesn't put in a fair day's effort, well, God's paying attention to that, and he'll discipline. Just like there's inheritance for obedience, there's discipline for disobedience. And Paul's basically saying, look, you can control you. You can't even control the boss, but you can control you. So as much as you can control you, then you live a life of honor to God. But when it comes to the guy or the gal next to you, just let that go. That's not your job to be worked up about them. Don't get in a twist about them. Instead, you focus on what God's called you to do, and you do it to the best of your ability with all your heart, as if the Lord's watching, as if it's a project for him. And the other person, they should be doing the same thing, but if they're not, God will deal with them. That's their story. That's not our story. So what a what a terrific, like, all-encompassing, even though it's just a paragraph. I mean, sometimes I marvel at, this was 2,000 years ago. I mean, this is 2,000 years ago, and Paul could have written it last week, right? He could right. have listened. Absolutely. <laughs> he could have. It seems very timely and relevant. It's weird to think about um, all the technology that we had that wasn't available at the time of this writing, and yet still the problems are so similar. Yeah. Even with that, all the advance in knowledge, and I'm making air quotes, and technology, is that it's the same issue, and it's very relevant. That's what I love about the Bible. It's yep. so relevant to what we do on a daily basis, which is why if you're you know, thinking about your work and having trouble either getting motivated or maybe you're too motivated, go back and, and visit this chapter in Colossians. Yeah, you, you, that's the beauty of, of, of going back into old literature, Scripture, uh, even going back and reading some of the Roman philosophers, or the Greek philosophers of the day, you do get this strong, strong sense that time marches on. We have better technology, but we are the same people. <laughs> same issues. They weren't primitive. They were sophisticated people, and they were dealing with the problems of their day. And so 
something very relevant. So, guys, listening, this is uh, all found in the third chapter of Colossians and at the tail end of that. And uh, hopefully you learned a new word, Hausstaffel. It's a good old German. I'm probably mispronouncing the German. It's probably more like Hausstaffel or something. Yeah, you, you need know? a little more, a little more <laughs> phlegm. A little more, a little more phlegm in it. But uh, but it's the household code, and it's uh, good stuff, and it'll help you It'll help you live life that honors God. So, hey, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us, Brett. Michael, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Oh, this was great. Thank you. And uh, if you're listening in, so glad that uh, you gave time to the Man Challenge podcast today. Excited to have you with us, and uh, by all means, share it with your friends and uh, let us know what you think. Have a great day.